time for the car doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning. FM, or maybe you're listening on the app. You can always tap the app. You can listen to us on the WROL app. You can just ask your smart speaker how to do that. It, it actually works pretty well, too. You can uh, does. You can say all kinds of things to it, so it's it's great. You look confused. Dennis, what's the matter? The levels on the mic are a little low. All right. Well, we're trying to figure that out. Okay, you do that. All right. You just look confused. I always get worried when you look confused. Uh, coming up, uh, coming up. First thing, we're going to be talking to Lauren Fix. Lauren Fix is a uh, automotive journalist. Uh, she was this week. She was actually on Fox and Friends, uh, talking about some stuff. The Detroit Auto Show is coming up, so I think we're going to catch her before she probably heads out to Detroit. Uh, the Consumer Electronics Show was just recently. A lot of automotive things at the Consumer Electronics Show, and of course, the Boston Auto Show is coming up this weekend. Uh, Next weekend, technically, I guess. And uh, we are going to be broadcasting live from the Boston Auto Show, um, sort of in conjunction with the Mass Auto Dealers Student Auto Skills Competition. For years, I was involved with the Chrysler uh, Auto Skills. So it was a AAA... AAA Chrysler, and then it was AAA Ford. Uh, that went away, but the Massachusetts Auto Dealers Competition is still up, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna be. Uh, I'm helping out with that actually, so which is why the reason I'm there. They need me there by 10 o'clock or so, so I might as well go there and do the show from there. So that should be fun, and um, we'll be able to go from there. So it should be a good time. Uh, a lot of uh, automotive information in the news today, including some stuff from our friends over at iccars.com which also carries my column over there. And uh, for our listeners out there, just curious if I'm in the Boston Globe today. I didn't stop and buy the Globe. I know there was. they said there was going to be a couple weeks that I probably wasn't there, but I will be. Hey, with us on, our, with us on the phone is Lauren Fix. Lauren Fix, I have, I have known on the radio for years, but Lauren, we have yet to actually meet each other in person, I think. Good morning, Lauren. How are you? Good morning, Lauren. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I was I was just saying that uh, that uh, we've we've known each other for years, but we've never met each other. I think that is true. That yeah, is true. Hopefully yeah. someday we'll be able to change that. I'm That's, happy to go to Boston. Yeah, I love Boston. How could you not like it? <laughs> uh, well, um, well, I, I suppose you're. You know, it's 14 this morning in Boston, but I suppose where you live, that's almost balmy, right? Hey, listen, it was 10 last night. It's 20 right now. It's a heat wave. I'm thinking short. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. So, um, but uh, the Detroit Auto Show is coming up, and I assume you're heading out to there, right? Oh, yes. I am the president of the North American Car Truck of the Year Award. So, when that's presented uh, each year, I will be calling Car of the Year, and the rest of the board will have each will get a, a vehicle. But, yeah, this is big. This is the Oscars of the auto industry. So, I would miss it. It's going to be a shorter show this year. In other words, they're moving the Detroit Auto Show from January to June of 2020. So after this year, you won't see one next January. They're moving it to June. So in the interim, while we look for a new location to give our awards, 
we've noticed that there's no German manufacturers there at all. None. So you get the three domestics, the three Japanese, and I think there might be one Chinese coming in. But other than and the Koreans, hmm. other than that, you you know Jaguar, no Land Rover, no Porsche, no Germans at all. It's it's kind of wild. So it's yeah. a, a short press day, unfortunately. Yeah, it it is it is sort of it is sort of odd. And on the other hand, um, you know, I I don't know whether it's moving the show to June. Other than uh, the few times I've been to the Detroit show. It's either I get stuck getting there or get stuck getting back because of weather. Yeah, uh, yeah, or stuck on the plane on the tarmac, which happened quite a few. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, so, there's always that joy. There's always the joy of the D, which is, uh, which is, which is part of that. But the, um, I don't, you know, moving the show to moving the show to June. Either that makes it the very last show of the season or the very first show of the season. And I think being, you know, June June seems like a little bit of an odd time. It is. And actually, the reason that car shows are the way they are in November at L.A. is there because that's when the new next model year rolls right. out. They don't, they don't work on calendar year, just so your listeners know. Typically, the new next model, like we'll see 2020s, in August, September. Sometimes we're seeing them early, but typically you won't see them on the dealer floor until you know August, September. And that's when it's a good time to buy the previous year's models that are still sitting there because you need to get rid of them. But... So that makes sense for L.A., and it made sense for Detroit because that was the beginning of the year. The holidays were over. The new models are here. There's a lot of concepts. But now CES is taking a ton of that technology, and I think that really kind of put a little bit of a hurt on Detroit. And so now you're looking at New York coming. It's always wherever Easter is, so it could be March or April, but it's always that Tuesday, Wednesday before Easter in New York, and that's when the weather starts to break. That's kind of late in the deal, too, because now you're thinking – we're, the manufacturers already say, by May, we're done producing whatever that model year is. Mm. So, it, But it's really meant for the dealer associations. So in Detroit, it should be the dealers that sell the most cars, that they call the DADA or the Detroit Auto Dealers Association, puts on their show, just like L.A. or New York or Chicago. And when you start to look at the, the shifting in shows and what's going on, you see the auto dealers that set up are the ones that are selling the most. So obviously in Detroit, for GM Chrysler or FCA, those are the vehicles that are selling the bulk because there's jobs that you, you, you know, if you work for Ford, you're going to buy a Ford, you know, it's just yeah. kind of obvious. And the same with any brand. But when you, when you look at other areas of the country, like LA, they're obviously selling more Ferraris, Lamborghinis, you know, Bentleys, Bugattis. That's where you're seeing those cars. Or you're also seeing them in New York or yeah. Miami. So it's an interesting mix how things are changing where Chicago was a huge show is becoming a regional show. It's a truck show more than anything. Yeah, it, it, you're you're right. And here in here in Boston, the the Boston Auto Show was always in the late fall, early winter. And when they moved to the new Boston Convention Center, because of the calendar for the convention center, they moved to next weekend. And a lot of people were saying, well, because of the Detroit Auto Show and tying into that, it's going to affect some of the displays and so forth. And although there was there's less introductions in the Boston Auto Show, there is a ton more foot traffic. So for the Dealers right. Association, uh, they look at it and they go, this is fantastic. We would much rather have consumers coming to the show than some of the uh, some of the latest, yeah. greatest news. So I yeah. guess you have to look at know, both I sides agree. of it. Well, the same thing. Buffalo does the same thing like Boston does. They have theirs literally on top of the Chicago Auto Show. And everyone's like, oh, why do you do that? Because I have to go to Chicago. And I said, well, you know what? It's about foot traffic because the dealers are there to sell cars. They right. don't 
they don't care what, what big reveal and what press is there unless it's press that's covering their brand. So it's very interesting to watch that it's really about getting people in the convention center who are thinking about buying a car because there's no other place we'd go, do I want a Honda or a Nissan or a Toyota? Gee, I'm not sure. Oh, wait, there's a Kia. There's a Hyundai. They, you can't do that all in one dealership. So this allows you to go and sit in different cars, have your family with you because kids are a huge impact on the vehicle that you choose. And it, it sort of helps you weed out in your head, do I want this brand or this brand? Do I want a truck or an SUV or whatever? So I think that uh, auto shows are good for the locals. At a national level, I think the big ones are going to be left, in my opinion, are going to be New York and L.A. because they're always going to be they're big news stations. Right. And so that's where they're going to do the bulk of the reveals. Even Geneva this year, the whole lower floor was empty, which I've never seen before. Mm. Same thing with Frankfurt. Uh, we know Beijing is big because they sell more vehicles than we do. But other than that, for the most part, even the Paris Auto Show has become very much for their country and not for the rest of us. It used to be a big reveal and an honor to go. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely right. And you know, we had we had no agenda when we were going to chit chat today. And you know, I'm just you know, as as we're talking, I'm, my mind wanders like it usually does. And I'm staring out of the the uh, second floor studio windows here today, and I'm looking at a bunch of SUVs and two sedans. What do you think of yep. Ford and GM's decision to essentially, you know, either almost completely kill sedans or cut way back? Well, it's interesting. Uh, here's what happened. Basically, about a year and a half ago, FCA, Fiat Chrysler, stopped making the Chrysler 200 and the Dart, and they literally cut back their brands to the Charger and the Challenger and the 300. That's it. Right. And so at the time, Ford and GM, oh, no, we're, we're, we're going to keep our sedans. We're selling tons of them. We're going to pick up all that marketplace that they don't want. Well, obviously, seven or eight months ago, Ford said, we're cutting back on all of our vehicles. We're just going to have Focus and Mustang. That's it which I thought they should have kept Fusion because it's a the good vehicle. Yeah, Fusion was a fantastic car. Yeah, and they might bring it back. We'll see. I'm not a big fan of the current CEO. I think he doesn't understand the auto industry and consumers. He's thinking autonomous and EVs, which I think is a mistake because they're not selling in the big picture. I mean, you think about 17.2 million cars sold and only less than 2% are electric. Fine, buy one if you want one, but it's not going to be mainstream. Not, no matter what you do, you, you, you don't have enough charging stations, infrastructure, and the grid is too old to support all of us on it, and it just doesn't make sense for everybody. So now we go to GM. We'll turn back full circle here, back to GM. So GM says when Ford says, we're only going to do two sedans and that's it, oh, ha, 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 we're going to sell a ton of these things. We're selling Volts and Caddies like crazy. Well, that wasn't true. We all knew that. Yeah. And the worst timing ever, so, I mean, you don't have to be a PR agent. You don't have to be a, a marketing person to know the worst time to announce news, which isn't necessarily positive news like this, is during an auto show. So they launched this presser the first day of the L.A. Auto Show for press days. So whoever put this up should be slapped. And it was a stupid time. So every single journalist is in, every auto journalist, and you know how we are, there's a huge, we call it, we're called the scrum, essentially. I call us the usual suspects or the cast of characters. We're all in one location at these huge events. And what are we talking about? GM. Yeah. Instead of other brands. Hmm. So they didn't take the show in a positive way. They took the show in a negative way. And so everyone was reporting on what's wrong with GM. And when you went to their booth, all the cars they're eliminating were on the left side of the booth. And all the vehicles they're keeping were on the right side of the booth. It was really odd. And everyone was commenting about it. So it was not it was bad timing. We'll just say it was bad timing. So I, overall, I think that 
right now, gas prices are low. It's good for everybody. Nobody's complaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's causing people not to buy electric vehicles and hybrids because I can buy an SUV that gets amazing fuel economy. And they, there's a lot of great products on the market from every brand. Uh, and then you start thinking, well, what's going to happen if prices go up? Well, if they do, what are people going to be looking for? Something even more fuel efficient. Right. Maybe not an electric vehicle, maybe a small car. Maybe a Mini Cooper or a Fiat 500 or something that's real small. It's, my kids both drive Minis. But you, know, you start thinking about that, and they're not going to have much available. No one is. Right. And, I mean, and then people are going to wonder, and, and we talked about this last week a little bit, then people are going to wonder when uh, Toyota and Honda, who are still in the sedan business, although even cutting mm-hmm. back a little bit, and mm-hmm. uh, Hyundai and Kia, and all of a sudden they're going to have these uh, – fuel-efficient sedans that people are going to go, well, gas went up, now it's $4 a gallon, my SUV doesn't look that favorable anymore, and they're going to go, you know, look at the imports just kicking our butt. Yeah. Well, I have to say the one thing, the reason they are is because when GM, Ford, and Chrysler started producing cars, they thought we were the only ones in the game. And you'd buy every option. Oh, you want the heated seats, and you want the air, every single thing was click, 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 you had to click a box on it. I don't know if you remember buying cars back then. But you could buy a car pretty much any way you wanted. Mm-hmm. Well, the Japanese came to the market and said, this is stupid. You're just making it difficult for us to produce. And they use what's called just-in-time production. So their inventory comes in, their production comes in. So they use what they have coming in. They packaged everything. Mm-hmm. So you bought the convenience package, the performance package, whatever it was. And they started selling quicker because it wasn't so confusing to consumers. And if you've ever ordered a Porsche, which I have, it's still confusing today because it's like, there's too many options. You know, you have to figure out what each one does and how you eliminate one or the other. It just makes it makes it frustrating. So the Koreans came in and said, well, wait a minute. This is what the Japanese are doing wrong. We're not just going to package our ideas. We're going to offer a longer warranty than everyone, 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. People are buying them. Mm. And that's why Hyundai and Kia are just doing so well. And now you're seeing Volkswagen now picked up a little of that. They're doing six-year, 60,000-mile warranties. And they're like their Tiguans and their Atlas and all. And they're doing well. They, yep. they want to come back to be number one. But it's interesting to watch when the next brand comes out and what they're going to do. And the Chinese are coming into the marketplace. Their product's not there yet. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Last time I opened the door on a Chinese car at the Detroit Auto Show, we were all kind of laughing at each other because it was rust on the door hinges. It was like, okay, you kind of have to protect the car better because it kind of doesn't give us a confidence as far as a consumer driving the car. Right. Yeah. And although I, I will, I will admit the the cars I saw in the Chinese cars that I saw, um, wow. You know, looked like you know, looked like a BMW X5. Looked like a yeah. looked like a Mercedes E Class. Uh, they do uh, like to knock off our style and brands. Yep. Everybody else's, yeah. and that's always been China's mo, which yeah. is kind of sad because I think what happens is. Consumers get confused because unless you're really in the business like you and I, I think it's I think it's confusing to look at. Is this a good car? You know, how do I know? I, yeah, I can go online and look at reviews, but when you're in the moment and you're driving a car and it gives you that confidence and you get good visibility and seating comfort and everything, I think sometimes consumers make mistakes. I mean, and there's really no horrible product on the market, at least what's available here in the U.S. today. Mm. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna buy something and say, oh, I shouldn't have bought that. I mean. Mitsubishi redid their lineup. I mean, there's tons of new products out there, and I think consumers can find something that meets their budgets, but always check your insurance rates, too, because that's the one thing I do notice. If you will buy a great car and they find their insurance went up, I'm like, you know, you should check that before you the cost of ownership. Yeah. You know, maybe it needs premium fuel or the tires are real expensive. That's one of the things that tire only fits that vehicle only. Yeah. You kind of have to look into those things.
Yeah, the people the people that bought Honda Odyssey uh, vans with the touring edition with the special tires on it, the special run fly yeah. tires are um, run are, are expensive. Yeah, are sad every time they have to spend three thousand dollars for tires. But uh, you know, you mentioned you mentioned autonomous vehicles. That that's also an interesting topic, and you kind of wonder uh, about the vehicle manufacturers. You know, we've done some surveys both. Uh, you know, my daytime job at AAA and also through uh, our press association here, the New England Motor Press Association, and it pretty much shows that the majority of people um, are not wild and crazy about buying buying a vehicle with, uh, buying a fully autonomous vehicle or even some a vehicle with autonomous features, but yet the, the um, car manufacturers are spending billions of dollars essentially on technology that the public doesn't want yet. Right. It's first to market. That's what it's all about. Mm. I mean, there's, there's some major hurdles that are stopping us from uh, having autonomous cars on the road. Now, I always say, if, if you don't want to drive, that's fine, for whatever reason. You know, or you can't. Uh, you can get an Uber, you can get a Lyft, you can get a car service, you can call a friend, you can call a taxi, and there's a million options, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, with that in mind, autonomous cars are the, the goal. Uh, I think the federal government would love this. You order a car on your phone, the car comes to your house, you get in the vehicle, takes you where you want, you don't have any control about, you know, it's fully autonomous, fully electric, and then it takes you to your spot and drops you off. And I'm thinking, you know, how many times have you got on your phone and you've asked for directions to someplace and it gives you three options, and then you pick the option you think is smartest based on what you know, and it takes you through a neighborhood that maybe you you might be concerned, or maybe there's construction. It doesn't know everything, and that's the problem. Computers are not people. They don't make decisions like you and I do, and that is a problem. And if, and if you think computers are flawless, how many times is your phone locked up, your computer needs to be rebooted, you know, your, your tablet doesn't work right, the app crashes, and we've all had it. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I don't know how many times I've been in some of the, you know, latest, greatest cars, whether it's a a Range Rover, and all of a sudden you look over and the and the infotainment screen just reboots itself for no particular yep. reason. Well, what it's doing is it's got a, it it sees there's something wrong and reboots itself. So now you're sitting in traffic in Boston, you're on your way to work, going, "I got to get there, I got to get there." Come on, autonomous car, get me there. Even if you're driving, traffic is traffic, right? Right, right. Uh, and it says, "I'm sorry, we need to pull over and reboot the system." Software upgrade. I'm thinking, I would flip out. Yeah. Like, are you kidding? It's, you know, it's always when you're in a rush. It's never when you have nothing to do. It's like a flat tire. But beyond the software issues, the biggest issue is government regulations. Right hmm. now, the big dispute is, do we allow, you're going to love this one, steering wheels and pedals or not? I'm like, yeah, I'm not into the amusement ride. Hmm. And if I'm not driving, I'm not getting in that car. It's a 5,000-pound missile, essentially. And if you have no control of it, no pedals, no steering wheel, oh, boy. Oh, there's a sudden ice storm, a snowstorm. Hey, listen, I live in the same icky weather you do. Could you imagine that in the winter? Because that's the big factor. Weather. Yeah, it. Yeah, just like the just like the little frost warning that comes up with your car when the temperature drops under thirty two right. to thirty eight degrees. The car's going right. to do the same thing. It's going to say, "Yeah, I don't think we're going out today." Yeah. I'm sorry, we cannot go to work today. <laughs> yeah, no, but, you know, on the other hand, I always tell people there there is nothing I like more to do than drive and there's nothing i hate more than driving sometimes you know and, and you you mentioned you know whether you're driving into you know driving into manhattan or driving into boston when you're stuck in traffic it's just miserable on the other hand when you're in a uh, and it doesn't have to be an expensive car or just a fun car to drive on a twisty two-lane road on a nice spring or fall day yeah. there's there's nothing more fun than that 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. Both my kids have Mini Coopers, and they're both manual transmissions, and everyone says, what do you do, you know, with traffic? They're like, put it in neutral, put your foot on a brake. I mean, what's the big, you put your foot on a brake anyhow. But it's funny, um, when you drive a car that's spirited, that you feel connected to, it doesn't have to be a Mini. It can be a Camaro, a Mustang. I, I have Mustang, so I totally, my daughter's name is Shelby, so I'm a little bit addicted, but... Uh, you know, a Corvette, there's a million cars out there. A Lexus LT500, I mean, there's tons of great product out there. A uh, Civic Type R. Once you drive a car that's spirited like that, and you enjoy it, and you get that, that rush, you don't want to give that up to a computer, because a computer only knows the shortest distance between two points. Mm. It doesn't, doesn't make decisions like we do. Um, you know, and then we have the other factor that has not been addressed at all, and they've been trying to, but with no luck, is hackers. I mean, last year they hacked into a whole pile load of Jeeps in Houston. They've hacked into Tesla in China. The vehicle was 30 miles away. I mean, these kids have nothing else to do but the challenge of hacking into the system. Listen, they've got into the Pentagon. What, how difficult would it be to get into a car? You know what I mean? Yeah. Not no. No. I, you know, once we start to, and and it's all about it's all about telematics. It's all about the car talking to everything else. And once you give the car an IP address, once you give it its own internet address, it has the ability to hack it. When it was when, when the information was only going one way, you know, like yeah. off a navigation system, you can't hack it. But once it goes in the other direction, it is absolutely possible to hack the car at some at some point. And you're right. So vehicle security is a is an important part of where the future is going to be and uh you know i still say as much as we talk about how how cars are going to communicate with each other a lot of it really has to do with marketing just knowing that Mm -hmm. you know your car you know you go to the supermarket on a certain day you're listening to satellite radio and you tag a song next thing you know ticketmaster sends you a sends you a a coupon code to uh for your favorite artist is coming to the convention Mm -hmm. center that's true, and that's what Nissan was showing at CES. They call it invisible to invisible, which we should all be listening to because this is what it's doing. It's, like you said, collecting that data inside your car, not just what you say, but what you do, where you go, and the data outside your car. And it's going to collect it all and save it in the cloud and use that to help you make your life easier, which is what they're saying, which I don't like the last part of that because I think it's kind of a – Poppycock, because you know what's going to happen. They're going to take that data, and they're going to sell that data, just like Facebook does, to to the highest bidder. Absolutely. Hey, listen, do you want all the information that comes from all of our Nissan, whatever branded products, whatever technology they're using this for? And we're going to sell it to you. And then while they're sitting in their autonomous car, we'll just continue running commercials because we got you captive. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm out on that, too. So. Yeah. No, Nissan, Nissan, I think, is being probably the most transparent. I mean, you get in you get in a Nissan, uh, and I remember a year ago I was in a Nissan rental car, and it pops up that, mm-hmm. you, know, the, you know, there's data going to be collected, blah, 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 blah. And um, I, I noticed, and, and this is a little behind the scenes for our listeners, but, you know, as we get a car to evaluate, there's loan agreements that come with the cars. The, the yeah. latest Nissan loan agreement is three pages long and talks about all the information it's going to get. They're going to gather about you, the driver, and the vehicle while you have it. Oh yeah, I did get that as well. I, I noticed that in my last uh, Infinity loan. I'm like, well, that's interesting. And and I noticed that there's now multiple pages on pretty much every brand. And I think they're doing is they collect the data and they also have trackers on these cars. Oh yeah. I don't know if you know that or not. So they know where we go, how many miles we drive by just clicking on a keyboard someplace on the planet. And that data is like, okay, we had this many miles from a journalist. 
and they want feedback. And they can they also track us to make sure we review them and make sure we talk about the different brands that are out there. I mean, I don't care if you're talking about a Mercedes G-Wagon to a Kia Rio. They're tracking this data, and they, they want to make sure what they call ROI, return on investment. Yeah. But some of this data on all of us that they're collecting every day on every car brand, I mean, unless you're driving a, a 65 Mustang, they don't, they're not collecting data. But pretty much anything from the 90s and newer, they've been collecting your data for a long time. And it would be almost impossible to go anywhere or do anything without them knowing that, from a, a phone to the cameras and everything. It's kind of scary, actually, that they know more about us than we probably know about ourselves. Yeah, and, you know, and it's the same, it's all the technology and, you know, whether you have a, you know whether you have uh, you know Google Smart Home or or Alexa or any of those devices. Who would have thought? Um, you know, I you know I'd say to you know say to my producer Dennis, hey, if you give me a hundred dollars, I'll put a speaker in your house that listens to yeah. everything you do. And, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and everyone it's, would say, oh uh, no. Yeah. That's but, why I don't, I don't have any of that in my house, and I don't want it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting thought, you know, how pe- people look at this. Uh, Lauren, we've kept you we've kept you a long time. If people want to find more information about you, where do they go? Oh, you can go to my website, carcoachreports.com, Sign up for the free newsletter, and then every Friday I put up a four minute Friday of what's hot that happened this week because it, there's so much noise out there with the news that you sometimes miss some interesting things that could help you. And I try to give you some tips to help you save some money. And follow me on all forms of social media at Lauren Fix. We'll be reporting live from the Detroit Auto Show. I've got uh, quite a bit of national news, Fox Business, Fox and Friends on Tuesday, and we'll be revealing the car of the year there. Yeah, I, I I know. Uh, I was talking to somebody earlier this week, and I said, uh, I said, oh, I'm having uh, Lauren Fix on on the program, and they said, oh, I saw her on Fox and Friends this week. Oh, that's cool. Thank you very much. All right, hey Lauren, uh, I'm not going. I'm not going to Detroit this week because I'm I'm calling myself too smart for that. Yeah, well, yeah. you're not missing much. It's a very <laughs> short show. You could pro- you can actually watch a live feed if you go to naias.com, which is the North American yep. International Auto Show, and anybody can click on the link under media, and you can actually see the whole presentation, both our presentation for North American Car Truck and Utility, but also the pressers. They're going to have them all live. I'm shocked. And automobility, D. So. Yeah, no, no, it, it's Detroit. Detroit's always Detroit's always fun. It, it's always it's always a good show. I love I love the city, and I love seeing how Detroit is starting to really come back. When I was there seven or eight years ago, and saw or ten years ago, I guess really, and saw literally you know acres of empty neighborhoods and buildings that were just collapsing, and you know, oh, it's turned around. You know, it's turned around, and you know, now to be able to. You know, find a a, a one bedroom apartment in Detroit now is is almost impossible to do. They're converting yeah. all all that property uh, into uh, studios and 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 condos and uh, the the, it's the, the city's starting to come back and it's starting to come back in 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 interesting ways. Whether it's starting to come back in automotive or manufacturing or or just uh, or just uh, startups, it's just really starting to turn into a really interesting place again. Yeah, it's good. It was well needed. I mean, I'm from Detroit originally. I'm a Motor City gal, and it was kind of sad that, Becky you're saying, 10, 15 years ago, we'd go to these events and be like, it's total darkness. There weren't even, like, nightlights in buildings or streetlights, nothing. And then now it's turned around, and it's become pretty popular. There's tons of casinos there and, and great restaurants, and a lot of the Food Network stars have opened restaurants there as well. So it's kind of neat. Michael Simon has a place in the book Cadillac, which is worth going to. Yep. No, it, it is, it is really, it's really amazing how it kind of uh, – 
you know, kind of was like the phoenix. It sort of emerged from the ashes, and 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 good for them, and and good for good for the local economy, and uh, you know, no more uh, you know people buying houses for a dollar in Detroit. So yeah, uh, thank goodness. Yeah. But those who did were smart. Yeah, because they stole yeah. the land, and the land is definitely yeah. worth more than a dollar. Yeah, I'm 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 always big in the buy high, sell low category, so I, I never do that quite right, but. <laughs> Lauren, thanks for taking time out of your Saturday morning. Uh, good luck with your trip to Detroit, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, Take bye-bye. Care. Thanks for having me on. All bye-bye. right. That was Lauren Fix, uh, automotive uh, journalist, and been around the industry a long long time, and you see her a lot on uh, on the various uh, morning TV shows. She has way too much energy this early in the morning. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, Especially uh, where she is. Yeah, she, uh, up in Buffalo. Oh, well, yeah. it's still Eastern time. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's still, still, yeah. still freezing up there. Yeah. Well, you know, last week we had, uh, you know, the, the person you put together from Atlas, the electric yeah. truck company. He was calling from... Phoenix? Somewhere yeah, somewhere. Arizona-ish, yeah. I think. So, and he was he was pretty perky for that time of the morning. So, yeah. I, I got I got a lot of compliments about last week's show, by the way, between, between you know, having the three guests on. You know, I, also I got some negative, like, hey, there was no room for us, the callers. Yeah, sorry yeah. about that, but... Well, sometimes it, it happens. It just it just kind of it just got put together that way, and then having uh, you know my buddy and coworker Eddie Welsh on to you know kind of do that that was um, unique, I think. So yeah, yeah. So especially uh, since they have the same frequency. Yeah, and as we powered down at night, I was driving home last night <laughs> and heard that station. Wow. Yeah, I had this station on because I was I was tuning in to listen to Joe Lagatti's show. Where it looks like I may be doing a segment with him once a week or so, um, but I was listening to his show to get a feel for it, and I just happened to hit a certain area, and all of a sudden I heard that that New York station. So then, what did I do? I went to the WROL app on my phone, right? Bluetoothed it to my car, streaming it crystal clear, which is what which is what you can do these days. Why don't we take a break, pay some bills. Uh, phone lines are open at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. And you know what? Because Dennis is going to hate me, we're going to give away some tickets to the car show. We still have a few left. Uh, and I have a deal for the Providence Auto Show coming up. If you normally go to the Providence Auto Show, I can't give you tickets. But I can put your name in to the ticket window down there at the will call window because I don't trust anything. I like the Boston Auto Show. I have tickets in my hand. I know I can get, I, I know I'll put them in the mail and you'll get them just like I did last week. I sent out, I don't know, a whole bunch of tickets last week to people who emailed me. Providence Auto Show, if you were going to go and if you planned on going, I'll put your name on a list. And you can go pick up. Email John for that one, because <laughs> that that'll be too that'll be too crazy. All right, whatever. whatever. Email John. Yeah. What's your email? Jpaul at aaanortheast.com. Jpaul J P A U L at aaanortheast. You have to spell out northeast.com. Uh, that's one way to do it. Why don't we take that break? We'll be right back. Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. And them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye, singing, This'll be the day that I die. This'll be the day that I die.
trip out to L.A. Tooling along in my Chevrolet, talking on the number and digging on the radio. Just as I Going back in time, are you? Again, I have no... I just press a button. What does it say? It says, Car Doctor Crocodile Rock. But yeah. I know that isn't the song. Yeah. It's just what happened. It's like a shuffle button. I don't know uh, what I'm going to do. Okay. All right. Hit the button, whatever song whatever comes, comes up. up. All right. I yeah. mean, if you really want me to dig into the system, uh, I can uh, do it. Yeah. I'm all good. I like this new way. Yeah. I don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to that. think. The only, the only time it's nice is it's if Christmas. I have a guest from a car company and you can play a Ford song or a GM song. Or, if I was more yeah. alert on a sun, Saturday morning, yeah, maybe I, I would think that way. Yeah. Well, I didn't, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could have played something with Shelby in it for Lauren Fix. Could have. Yeah. yeah. Should have. I remember years ago, it was probably 10 years ago or something. That might have been when I was here. Yeah. That she was on the program and she just casually mentioned her daughter Shelby and I'm like, okay, hit the brakes. Let's back up. What's your daughter's name again? Yep. <laughs> and I think yeah, I think yeah, I was on the yeah, yeah, so, my first run here. Yeah. And she was. Uh, I think her daughter's uh, because at some iteration her daughter was the teen car coach because she was a teenager. So now she's older and has a job. So she's a real person. Yeah. A real person. Yeah. Um, from our friends at iccars.com, uh, Julie Blakely, who we're going to have, uh, we're going to have on the program in a couple weeks, I think. Uh, she is down in she is down in Disney soon. Happiest place on earth. I just do what you tell me, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but uh, Julie Julie has never never been to Disney before. That's a shame. Yeah. Do you like Disney? I love Disney. Yeah. yeah. Love love Disney. And I don't like crowds, so that's telling you something. Yeah, I was going to say. I don't know if it's still the case, but AAA members also get preferred parking. and They do. Yeah, so you, but, you follow like the goal line and you can drive in and you, and you end up right at the gate. I don't park. You don't park. Well, I had a I rental take, car. I take the, you, the, the shuttles and the monorail. Well, well you probably stuff. stay right in the park. Cause Try to. I, I'm, remember me, I'm cheap. Yeah, well, you can find those nice cheap, Cheap um, resorts that they have, which are actually a better deal than if staying off the park because we looked into it, and you stay on those cheap resorts. Granted, it takes an hour to get to and from the yeah. parks that you want to go to, but hey, it's cheaper. No, I, I brought my nephews when they were just graduating from high school, and we stayed in some someplace. And it was a suite, so they had their own room and bathroom. We had our own room and bathroom, and and it was it wasn't it was probably half an hour away, maybe. And uh, um, and because they had to compete with Disney, they had free breakfast, happy hour from five to seven that was free. Um, pretty hard not to like it. Yeah, next year, yeah, next year, yeah, next year we're going. I think with our friends, um, their son turns twenty-one next. Well, he actually turns 21 in October, but it's inconvenient for them to go in October for whatever reason. I know the reasons, but I'm not going to get on okay. that. And then they, um, so we're going to drink around Epcot with him as a 21-year-old. There you go. That's going to be there fun. A world, of, a world of liquor. That's <laughs> what they call. That's what they call Epcot. So um, I see cars put out a, put out a release, and it says uh, uh, top 15 cars that owners keep 15 years or longer. The number one car, Toyota Highlander. Uh, 18, 18.5% of the people uh, keep a Highlander 15 years or longer. That's 2.5 times uh, compared to the average of most cars. 
Uh, second, Toyota Prius. People keep Priuses forever uh, because they're fuel efficient. They're actually pretty handy because they're a big hatch. They're, well, a small hatchback that holds a lot of stuff. Uh, and once they have it, they're kind of committed to it. The other thing that happens is when you own a Prius, it's kind of a funny thing. When you go to trade it in, the salesperson who's in charge of the trade-in goes, you know, you've had this thing for seven or eight years. The battery's pretty much at the end of its life. We can't give you that much for it. And then when they go to resell it, they go, you know, it's only seven or eight years. It's got a ton of battery life left in it. So people kind of go, they're disappointed with the trade-in, and they say, oh, yeah, I might as well just keep it. And the batteries last at least 10 years without any problems. So my mom has owned a couple, couple right? different Prius. Yeah. yeah, She owned the first generation, which was really awkward to drive, uh, really awkward to just move around. It it was not a comfortable car. The first one of those I ever drove, steering wheel was on the right. Right. Yep. It was, I didn't see it was that a one. Japanese version okay. that came here to road test. And uh, it was all the stuff you hate about that first generation Prius with the steering wheel on the other side. Oof. Oof. And then she has now had one for about three or four years now, the mm -hmm. latest one that she has. And. Um, it's still awkward. I don't like driving it, but it's a lot better than those first generations. And for for someone who's tall like you, you can fit in it. Yes. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. No, it's they're pretty amazing cars. Uh, next on the list is a uh, uh, Toyota Sienna minivan. People love the Sienna minivan, good old van. Uh, next on the list, Honda Pilot. What I consider one of the best SUVs on the market. It's just a really nice SUV. Um, it's a little bit bigger than than a typical midsize SUV. Uh, it's got more room in it. Built like a tank. Good vehicle. Uh, about 15% of the people that have those keep them there, which is twice as long as what most people keep cars. Toyota Tundra pickup truck, same thing. Toyota Sequoia. Toyota Tacoma. Honda Odyssey. Uh, Number eight on the list, number nine on the list, Honda CRV. Number ten on the list, Subaru Forester. Uh, then Toyota Rav4, Toyota Camry, Acura MDX, Toyota Forerunner, uh, Toyota Avalon. What do you see interesting on this list? No American cars. Zero, none. Yeah, um, and the top fifteen cars are exclusively Japanese models, with Toyota dominating the list with uh, ten models. While SUVs account for the majority, with eight. The list includes a mix of vehicles, including pickups, sedans, minivans, and a hybrid. Um, it's interesting to see, you know, they look at brand analysis. Toyota took the top spot, followed by Honda in second, and Subaru in third. Um, Camry's not on that list? No. Really? No. Camry's no. last forever. People have those things. Oh, forever. I'm sorry, it is. Number 12. Okay. Number 12. Skipped right over it. And the Avalon was the number 15. Same thing with the Avalon. The Avalon's one of those cars that doesn't appeal to everybody. It's I remember when the Avalon first came out, and you have to be old enough to appreciate the the joke. I called it a Toyota Park Avalon because it was sort of the Park Ave of Toyota products. Just a big sedan. You know, if it was ice cream, it'd be, it'd be vanilla. You know, it wasn't exciting. It wasn't an exciting vehicle to have. But it, was, uh, but it was a vehicle that did really, really well. So, again, we have some tickets to the Boston Auto Show, maybe a couple tickets to the RV Show, which goes on the same weekend. If you want those, just give us a call at 617-770-3030, and we will get those for you. Next week, Dennis is going to be away, but Keith is going to be running the board, and I'm going to be at the Boston Auto Show. And it's kind of interesting to be there before the show opens up because the show opens, I think, at 10 I'll be there probably at 7.30, a quarter of 8, setting up. And 
watching everybody start to come in and everybody start to get ready. It's always it's always sort of interesting when that happens and uh, and watching it all happen. I want to talk about the car that got me around last week, and that's the 2019 BMW X4. The um, redesigned X4 is kind of a hard vehicle to characterize. It's an SUV with a sleek roof styling of a coupe, and this is a pretty... I don't know, European, I guess, to call uh, a four-door vehicle coupe, but they do. And um, the Mercedes has the CLS, which they call a four-door coupe. Um, BMW, they call it a coupe. I don't know if I totally agree with, I think coupes have two doors, but that's just me. Um, The X4 comes in two trim levels, a a three-liter and an M4.0. The X3, the X4 3.0 is powered by a 248 horsepower 2-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine. The M40 is powered by a higher-performance 3-liter turbocharged six-cylinder engine that makes 355 horsepower. Our road test was in the X4 3-liter with all-wheel drive. The X4 is characterized as a small to mid-size SUV, but behind the wheel, the X4 drives much bigger than its actual size. Finding a parking space, backing up, and tight maneuvers all seem to require more thought and effort than a vehicle of this size should. It just feels chunky is a good way to describe it. Um, the ride's a bit stiff, perhaps due to the run-flat tires, but I wouldn't call it objectionable. Um, it's, it's kind of funny. I wrote this and I said I would call it objectionable. No, I wouldn't call it objectionable. The handling is good compared to most SUVs, but when compared to its um, direct competition in this segment, doesn't feel quite as refined or sure-footed. The steering feels a bit on the heavy side, both at low and higher speeds, although the combination of the steering feel and ride provides a sporty feel on twisty roads. Performance from the 2-liter engine is actually quite good, easily moving the X4 up to highway speeds. Like every BMW that I've driven, the brakes are powerful and provide excellent feedback when slowing down quickly. During my time Behind the wheel, I averaged about 27 miles per gallon. There's an abundant amount of safety technology, active blind spot protection, lane departure warning, 360-degree view camera, parking assist, smart cruise control, collision warning, and emergency braking. The interior of the X4 is comfortable with supportive front seats. The overall interior might not be as the most luxurious in the segment, but it's still quite nice, and everything fits together precisely with not a squeak or a rattle. The 10-way adjustable uh, driver's seat stayed comfortable even after a long time stuck in traffic. The front seats are both heated and cool. BMW once had some of the very worst ent- infotainment controls, but over time now have become easier to navigate and somewhat less distracting. The heated rear seat is a bit firm, and the sloping rear roof line limits headroom for taller passengers. Dennis would not sit in the back seat. I don't sit in back seats anymore, anyways. No, I have to. Yeah. I cry. Really? Uh, sometimes. Get yeah. Some claustrophobia, do you? No, because they're just so tight now. Is that what it is? Yeah. All so right, tight. Well. Like, I don't know. If it's a big SUV, maybe. It, maybe. If it's a f- like a Lincoln or a the old school Crown Vicks. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. sit back there. Yeah. But some of the newer yeah. cars just don't. Crown Vicks with a plastic seat in the cage between you and the front seat. Yeah. 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 Those yeah. kind. Those kind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you'd be crying. Oh, yeah. Uh, the rear cargo area is also on the tight side, about the same size as a small sedan due to the same sporty roofline. Fold down the rear seat, and the cargo space expands to almost 50 cubic feet. The overall space is just a bit odd-shaped. Um, if four adults are headed on vacation, they'll need to pack wisely because with the rear seat in use, again, not a lot of room in the back. Um, some, again, 
It's not out there. How would you look? You looked out the window like you're looking for it. I thought you were talking about the car that got you here today. Sorry, I was taking calls about those tickets. Speaking of which, I know. Are we? How many do you have? How many do we give away? Uh, One, two, three. Well, three Boston car, one RV. Oh, okay. Yeah, we still got some more. People could still call. It's okay. Okay. People can still call if they want Boston Boston Car Show tickets. It's okay. Uh, I've given away all the flower show tickets. I gave away all the golf show tickets. So I'm at a golf show, at a flower show. Um, I do have a few RV tickets and um, and a few car show tickets. So bottom line, the BMW X4 is a bit of a contradiction. It may not be for everyone, and maybe that's the point. If you don't want to drive a typical boxy SUV, but sedans are just too boring, the X4 by BMW may be the answer. Base price about fifty grand. Crash test hasn't been rated yet. The best I can figure out from the sticker. Miles per gallon, they say twenty-two city, twenty-nine highway. I was averaging about twenty-seven-ish. Um, it's a turbocharged engine. BMW prefers that you put premium fuel in it. I may or may not have. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030 is our phone number. If you want to call, not just for tickets, but you want to call and say hello, maybe you have a question about your car, maybe you're uh, reminiscing about a car, you know, we're here to help you with your car problems at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. The connection between bicycles and car companies is nothing new. Mercedes-Benz, Lotus, Morgan, Jeep, Hummer, and several other brands have lent their names and even some of the technology to high-end bicycles, but General Motors announced this month that it plans to market a line of electric bikes, and it marks the return to an industry where the company was once a major player. Not only did the GM division new departure dominate the bicycle hub business in the golden years of the bicycle industry, the balloon tire era from the early 1950s to the late 1950s, but two GM brands, LaSalle and Cadillac, offered super deluxe bicycles built by Schwinn in Chicago. The story goes that in order to generate showroom taf- traffic for Cadillac and Sal in the middle of the Great Depression, GM inked a deal with Schwinn to create luxury versions of its most deluxe bicycles. The dad would get a Cadillac or a Sal, and the kid would get a bike with the same name. I never heard of LaSalle or Cadillac bicycles. Maybe someone out there has. LaSalle and Cadillac badge bicycles typically featured Swin's most expensive equipment, such as a leather saddle, front fender-mounted headlight, brushed aluminum fenders, Uh, a big motorcycle pancake horn, and, of course, GM's new departure front and rear hubs. Today, Cadillac on sale bicycles are extremely rare. GM hasn't yet uh, named this new bicycle division. In fact, it's searching for a name and has launched a contest to generate ideas. Uh, You can go to ebikebrandchallenge.com if you have an idea. The return of those Salne, uh, an homage to uh, French Explorer, uh, seems fitting on GM's new bicycle division. I don't know. You know, that's that's kind of interesting because I just saw a study that said bike ridership is down. People are not riding as many bikes. They're recreationally, there's still some bike riding to be done. Uh, but as far as people using bicycles for actual transportation, like going back and forth to work, uh, bike ridership is down. So just as GM wants to get into the bicycle business, Eh, maybe it's not going as good as it should. Speaking of GM, um, you know when it talks about, and and I don't I don't talk politics, 
And but one of the things about tariffs and all that sort of stuff, uh, Buick is probably the most. I am at officially risk. out of space on the paper. So that means we're out of tickets. <laughs> okay. Good thinking. And we have a caller. Oh, okay. Let's talk to John in Boston. Good morning, John. Yeah, hi, John. How are you, sir? Yeah. Oh, good morning, John. Buongiorno, Giovanni, Senor Paul. Okay, anyway, uh, you were talking about bicycles, but I have another uh, question also. You know what's not big in America? Somehow cargo bicycles. In Europe, like Denmark, they even have cargo bicycle shows. And because uh, I ride a bicycle constantly, always carrying cargo, but you really don't see them online. You know what I found? You heard of Alibaba, the Chinese oh, online. Yeah. Yep. If you put in enclosed tricycles, you'll see all kinds of vehicles that you never even could have imagined. Enclosed cargo bikes, enclosed cargo trikes. Three-wheel vans, three-wheel trucks, electric trucks. I don't know why we don't have that here. Well, and how do you buy from Alibaba? You know, if we want to buy something from them. Yeah, I, I, I will admit I've never bought anything from them. Um, but uh, it's one. It's you know I have seen what, are, what they they sometimes call them work bicycles too, right? When they it's a little extended frame and it has uh, some nothing. more storage yeah, on it. Yeah, because yeah. A, a few years ago, probably more than a few now. Um, I was asked to go to the Quincy Library and talk to a, it was like Quincy Green something something association. So it was basically a bunch of environmental people. And and I was talking about hybrids and alternative fuel cars and things like that. And uh, I met a couple who um, got rid of their cars and all they do is ride bicycles. And they ride bicycles to the supermarket. They ride bicycles, and and they won't even do they won't even do um, like stop and shop Peapod delivery because they're like, well, you know, that just means another that just means another vehicle is is going to be uh, on the road, help you know, polluting the air and not helping them. So they did all of that. Although I I when I was talking to the couple, the woman did said said to me. You know, every once in a while, I miss my car on like rainy, snowy, cold, miserable days when she rides her bicycle to get back and forth to work. Um, well, that's where the uh, that um, vehicle in Maine, Massachusetts, called the Pebble comes in. The Elf in North Carolina. There's two vehicles that could take up the slack. But yeah. You haven't heard much about them. I told you about that last year. If a bike and a car got married, you'd have the Pebble, which even has an optional heater inside. It carries two people. And it goes up to 100 miles range with no registration, no insurance required. <laughs> You'll legally beat the system. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, you know, and that you know, someday, you know, especially yeah. when it comes to electric cars. Right now, electric cars don't pay, uh, don't pay gas tax. Obviously, well, they still wear out the roads, and that was the whole point of the gas tax was to was to pay for you know bridge and road construction or repair. And someday they're going to figure that all out and, and realize that you know all these cars are getting. You know, 25 and 30 and 35 miles to the gallon. Electric cars and hybrids are, you know, electric cars are getting, you know, electric mileage only. Hybrids are getting really good mileage. And uh, someday the state government's going to say, you know what? I think we need to tax vehicles on vehicles miles traveled and not how much gasoline they use. Oh, yeah, who yeah, states they are. We do inspection, yeah. 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 inspection sticker, but the Pebble needs no inspection sticker. So it's in a bicycle under the law, but it's $8,500, and I've also got my sites at Sears.com, Kmart.com, cargo bike, they have the PIF, T-F-I-F-F, made in Germany, but it's like $4,200, uh, $4, yeah. I'd like to get that bike, Yeah, it's with the Bosch motor, it's a good quality, if I could come up with that money, I'd buy the PIF, made in Germany. Yeah, and yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see myself, I don't see myself buying a $4,200 bicycle. Well, I do for cargo, 
You know, I, yeah, I, still, I don't. China, you know, less. Yeah, I barely see myself buying a forty-two hundred dollar car. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, you know, I, you know, it's just one of those, it's one of those things. There are alternatives for people, and and whether they choose to ride a bicycle recreationally or whatever they want to do, it's. I don't do it recreationally. Know. It's how I get around. A cargo bicycle save me a thousand dollars a year. Was it was it you who was telling me you went to Florida once, and while you were down there, you. Uh, you uh, you bought a bicycle at a pawn shop and then returned it when you were done. Twenty dollars? No, I, yeah. I paid twenty bucks for it. Well, I paid I twenty bucks for it. Around. But, there you go. But that, there's a whole market out there. I'm surprised, like um, like Huffy or Schwinn, and even all the retail stores don't get into the cargo bike because in Denmark you see they have even expos and shows of all these uh, bicycles that carry large loads. Uh, well, there's a uh, Main Street Pedicab in Colorado. They make a, a bicycle truck. It's about thirty-seven hundred dollars. There's a uh, Red Boro. There's uh, coaster cycles in Montana, but all these other ones are like four thousand, five thousand. They're made in America, but the ones in China are around fourteen, fifteen. How do you get them over here? Yeah, no, uh, well, well, I will say, I will say, you know your bicycles. Did you ever hear of a Cadillac well, I've been or, or for alternatives? Yeah, for, to get you know get around to carry things around. Yeah, no, no, I I saw I was at a Home Depot one time. I saw a guy carrying a. Uh, a Twelve foot long, two by twelve, tied to his bicycle. I don't know how. I don't know how far he had to ride to get home, but it was a lot further than I wanted to. You know what there is, John? There's a company called BikesAtWork.com. They make bicycle trailers that can carry up to six hundred pounds. They, they're the best in uh, bicycle trails. BikesAtWork.com. You can see their website. There you go. Well, hey, hey, uh, a neighbor, a neighbor of mine has a uh, has a uh, trailer that he built to uh, carry his uh, kayaks to the beach. So same idea. Well, BikesAtWork.com would do that. You yeah. know. No, it's and more fun. It's more. It's more fun if you can build it yourself. Hey, John, always a pleasure. I'm amazed at your knowledge of what you know about bikes and all kinds well, of stuff. The second question I'll ask you later, if you don't have time, because I want to talk about restoring an old car to tech school without paying all the labor. Well, you can, go ahead. Go ahead. Comet. That that uh, that's a little bit different. Go ahead. Well, I have a 1963 Comet. I've had since 1976. It's been off the road for a good 20 years. It needs a total restoration. To bring it back, I mean, it has a lot of memory, sentimental value. Yep. The dog I had sitting in the car and the people that used to, I knew are gone. But the car can be brought back. She got back on the road after all these years. How do I find out? And I know it would be a lot of money, which I don't have that time. I'd go to, uh, you know, someplace, a professional shop. But how do I find a tech school who maybe charges different materials? Yeah, well, well first, labor? first off, you just have to go ask. So I would go, you know, I would hit up all of the vocational schools in your area. And even outside your area, so, you know, come down to the South Shore, go to South Shore Votech, go to Southeastern, the Southeastern Votech, go to Blue Hills. Um, oh, yeah. You know, Blue Hills Blue Hills has both an auto body and an automotive technology Whoa. shop. Uh, Steve awesome. Steve is the instructor, is, is the head instructor over at Blue Hills. Um, mm-hmm. You know, go go and talk to them someday and say, hey, this is, you know, this is the project. Uh, you know, I have this old car. I want to try to restore it. See what they have. See what they have to say. Uh, you will need as patient as you've been holding on to the car. You'll need to have that much patience and more because it will probably be something will take a couple of years to do. That's because fine. what they'll do is they'll do things as they kind of come up in their curriculum. So. Uh, even though the car is old, it still has it still has the ability to teach. 
So if you know if they're rebuilding the engine, it doesn't really make any difference if they're rebuilding a 200 cubic inch straight six or the latest greatest overhead cam engine. Still, when it comes to fitting piston rings and bearings and all that, um, most of the time, uh, auto shops at Votech schools charge either no labor or very minimal labor, like ten, fifteen, twenty dollars an hour, and usually mm-hmm. the parts are just what there's no markup on the parts so um and if you wanted to buy the parts online say you were buying them from um from you know a ford restoration company or you were buying generic parts from you know someplace cheap like rock auto you wanted to do all the ball joints and tie road ends and all that sort of stuff and you wanted to buy them all they're fine with installing your parts and again you have to remember that they are kids they are students so you are going to get You'll get a good job because it was monitored by the instructor. On the other hand, there may be some things that you look at and go, I don't know if I would have done it that way. But on the other hand, it'll be done. And the auto body, auto body repair, same thing, depending on how extensive it is and how much you wanted to go through it. But but it's the same idea. If you're fixing if you're fixing a rust hole in a fender or a quarter panel on a you know nineteen whatever it was sixty three Comet or a 2013 it's still this technique is still the same so you know you'll end up you know you'll end up with a good job but it could it could literally take years that's fine i remember talking to white post restoration years ago you know them in uh, virginia yeah they were even on uh with uh, the rose guy on yep. uh, channel two i guess it was uh, we could restore anything and give us ten thousand dollars down and ten thousand a month we can't tell you how much it costs but we'll get it done if you can't find the parts we have to make them I wish I could do that, but I can't. So yeah. I like to no, no, it's uh, you know when it comes to when it comes to things like restorations and and that types of things, it's really all about it's all about uh, uh, time, talent, money. So uh, and you need to and if you're going to do it yourself, uh, talent, and money helps. If uh, and and time, if you're going to have someone else do it. The more time it spends, the more the more time it takes, the more money you're going to spend to get it done. So, um, what's the Blue Hills Restoration, Blue Hills Tech School. I would, I, you know, uh, Blue Hills, Blue Hills Votech. They're right. They're literally right in the Blue Hills in Canton, uh, right well, off of one. Find them. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're right near uh, Massasoit Community College. Has a campus almost on the same property, uh, but uh, but uh, Steve is the instructor there, and he will he will uh, you know talk Steve, to him. Huh? I remember that car. It had a certain smell, a certain feel to it, a certain sound to it. New cars don't have. Uh, and I had a thirty-nine ninety-five paint job at Earl Shive, ten dollars extra for body work, no ups, no extras at that time. And uh, put the, uh, you know, the nylon seat covers over, which you don't see anymore for the bench seats oh, anymore. Yeah. And so it's a bringing the dinosaur back to life. There I you like go. To bring that back. Yeah. Hey, John. Well, thanks, John. Good luck with it. All right. Take Thank care. Bye bye. Thank you. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven. 770-3030 is our phone number. And uh, I was just looking at who won tickets here. Let's like see. Peter, John, Jack, Howie, Kevin, David, and Al all won tickets. So, uh, And, again, if you want tickets to the Providence Auto Show at Dennis's suggestion, email me because I don't have the tickets. I have a commitment from the people at the PR agency for the auto show that said they will leave tickets for you at the will call window. If you get there and they ain't there, well, so sorry. Yeah, go get go get a pizza in Federal Hill or something. I don't know. Or go. There's a really good barbecue place down there. It's one of the best. In uh, what street is that on? 
We went down there this summer. It was fantastic. I can't remember the street now. What was the name of the barbecue? Think, uh, yeah. I'll get back to you. Sticky Fingers? No. No. No, 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 no. It was That's fantastic. the only one. It was near a cookie place, too, though. Cookies were fantastic. Don't know. <laughs> Let's talk to Rick. Rick, so, Rick, good morning. Hi there. I've been trying, but I, for some reason I haven't been able to get through to you the last few weeks. Uh, well, you know, the ticket giveaway kind of does that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, well, I was thinking. I was thinking you went on vacation, but you're retired, so you're always on vacation. Uh, well, technically yes, and technically no. I do have several um, projects in that that uh, you know, like I volunteer over at the VA hospital, and that's so. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, it's still it's still uh, yeah, it's different than having to go to work every day, right? Yes and no on that. You know, you know, I don't have to do it, but it's something I enjoy doing, and uh, it gets me out of the house for a few hours, several times a week. But um, my son mentioned uh, a few weeks ago that Boston is like number two in the country for rat and right uh, mice problems. So, I don't know if um, I don't know if they're number two, but they're certainly they're certainly up in the list there somewhere. In fact. In one of my columns, uh, someone wrote to me and said that uh, they live in the back bay somewhere, and twice now where they park in the alleyway that they park, they have had issues with rats, and the, um, the, the last time whoever was sort of in, in charge of it uh, put some bait boxes out and apparently the rat crawled up over the muffler of their Volvo, and uh, then they drove to Connecticut and sort of cooked a rat on the way to Connecticut. So well, they had a free meal when they got there. Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose if you, you know, um, I'd, rather, I'd rather not think of that, but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, what I was going to uh, ask just to have you comment on is that um, – you know, things you can do and not do as far as to avoid having um, rats and mice create problems for you and your car. Well, let's, you know, the, um, well, you could buy a cat or an owl. We've had several cats that were not mousers. Yeah, or an owl or any other yeah. type of raptor. Um, Chihuahuas but, work for that, too. Oh, yeah, Chihuahuas? Do they? Yeah, apparently they're, they're mouse, they're rodent. Oh, hunters. all right. Okay, didn't As know I that. I found out when we um, were Chihuahua and it does Yeah, really but, you know, I don't know if I'd get a falcon um, to protect your falcon. Uh, but um, you, what you can do, first off, one, one thing that sometimes happens is uh, with rodents is um, people don't always keep their cars as clean as they should. And I just, I just actually put, I just put a car seat in for somebody, and it was... Probably the most expensive car seat I ever put in. The thing, I think what it was new, it was like 800 bucks. It was a seat called an Orbit seat. And they uh, they just didn't like the way it fits, so I went out and looked at it and put it back in, and it was fine. It was loaded with Cheerios, Goldfish. When I picked it up, the half a pound of food fell out of it. Uh, and, you know, that's the stuff that attracts mice. Um, let alone bugs and all kinds of other. So when I took it out, I kind of shook it out and knocked all the junk out of it. But that's kind of the stuff that attracts mice and things from the inside. So if you're somebody who, you know, eats fast food, um, make sure you throw all the wrappers and stuff away and vacuum the car once in a while. The other thing is uh, mice and rodents love the idea of 
finding someplace warm to sleep. So, you know, don't, you know, some people will say, oh, put mothballs out. Mothballs will keep them away. Um, I'm not sure how true that is, and mothballs stink. And um, what is better is you can go to a hardware store and buy little sachets. Is that the right word? Little bags of oil of spearmint. They look like tea bags, and they have the oil of spearmint in a cotton ball or something stuck inside of it. And apparently rodents don't like the smell of spearmint, so you can put those out. You can put, you know, decon and stuff out around if you have a garage. Then you have the fear of they're going to crawl in your car and die. Then you get a stinky dead mouse inside your car. Um, Back a couple years ago, we had a guy from a pest control company call into the show. And he said, first, you know, if you have a garage, first off, do barriers. Make sure all the little holes are sealed up. Make sure the garage door closes completely. Make sure any little holes in the garage are sealed. Uh, Use a combination of spray foam and steel wool to keep them out. Um, Mice and rats chew on things to sharpen their teeth. Uh, That's why they're always chewing. They're constantly chewing to keep their teeth sharp. Uh, The other thing is today's cars have a lot of soy-based material in them. And apparently soy is tasty as opposed to um, vinyl-covered wires that were made with petroleum byproducts. As the companies have gone to more environmentally friendly products, uh, soy-based foam for seats, soy-based wiring covers, apparently that's somewhat of an attraction to rodents. So... So they're not only environmentally friendly, they're rodent friendly. They're rodent friendly. And they're they're apparently it's a it's a good snack. And 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 again, the reason they chew, I guess, is to actually keep their teeth sharp. That's why that's why they're always chewing on things, is to keep their teeth sharp. So if I had if I had a problem, I guess the first thing I do would, you know, do everything you can to clean your car. Uh, think about um, you know, think about poison if you have to. Um, uh, and then if you are if you are outside, if you're like the reader who, who uh, wrote to me um, and you have no choice but to park outside, you can also get some um, shakeaways a product where you can actually put the stuff around the car and it will help it'll help kind of it's a it's a a predator scent. So it smells like apparently it smells like coyote or something, and that will that will scare a you know mouse or a rat away. So you can try that sort of stuff. But other than that, first thing I do, you know, especially people that park in garages, for instance, you know, if they have dog food, bird food, any of that stuff, um, make sure it's in a sealed container where where rodents can't get to it, and that way it won't attract them, and kind of go from there. Hey, Rick, we got to take a break, but thanks for the call. Uh, missed you the last couple of weeks. I know I've been trying. All right, Bye. take care, Rick. Bye bye. All right, why don't we take a quick break. When we come back, Brian, stay right there. We will be with you in just a couple minutes. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, or 100.FM. We will be back. Girl, a ride in my white gun, and she crawled in. 
And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Phone lines are open if you want to join us. That barbecue place is called Dirks. It's on Thayer Street. Oh, Thayer Street. Oh, my the, God, that barbecue a, place Thayer is Street, Thayer Street's a weird little interesting, Thayer Street and Wickenden Street, two little weird interesting streets in Providence. Uh, pizza place that everybody loves on Wickenden Street called Pizza Pyre. Okay. Yeah. It's too too fancy for me. It's like seven, you know, seventeen kinds of crust and fifty-two kinds of toppings, and too difficult for me. Just you know, give me a pepperoni pizza. Or Next to the smokehouse in Hilton Head Island, Dark's Barbecue is really? the best barbecue right. I've ever well, had. Someday when I don't have a white shirt on, I'll go there. Let's talk to uh, let's see Brian from Derry, New Hampshire, is still there. Brian, you still there? Yes. Good morning, John. Good Happy morning, sir. How are you? Fine, thanks. Happy New Year, John. Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, I heard your program about uh, mice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the country up here. You know, I got a tractor to cut my lawn. And I opened up the shed in the spring. I take the battery out and I use a trickle charger on the battery so I should be able to kick it over. Yep. You know, once it's, once it's all charged up, the battery. I, well, lo and behold, I opened up the, the, the uh, door of the shed. And I don't know if you remember back in the day with Ed Sullivan show, the Topo GGO Kids oh, yeah. Tonight yep. in. Yep. <laughs> I'm showing my age now, okay? But anyway, that's okay. So anyway, he's sitting in the driver's seat like he was ready to drive off and cut my grass, okay? <laughs> I says, okay, no problem. I deconned the shed. Yep. Well, not decon, but I, I used those uh, sticky traps. I'm oh, not yeah. a fan of those. Yeah. You know? And uh, I got, matter of fact, as I'm, as I'm talking to you now, there's, there's one, I don't want to sound gross, but I have one, one big one. It must be naturally a pregnant one that's sitting way in the corner, and I'm not going to get it out of there until the spring. So anyway... They don't like mint. They don't like steel wool either. Yeah, yeah. Steel wool. They, they when they chew on steel wool, it hurts their teeth, I guess, or something. Yeah. And uh, once they get in your house, uh, I know a friend of mine had his house in Roslindale caught on fire. Well, that was from a squirrel, but it's still part of the rolling oh, yeah. family. Yeah. No, that's that, all you need. Yeah, no, that's all it, you need is one in there. And, no, uh, no. And and, they, and, and once they get in, they get a little confused, and all they want to do is get back out. Or, or I, I had uh, years ago. There's probably more story than anybody needs to know. Years ago, my wife called me up and she said, I think there's there's something going on at the house, and I'm on my way home. And she's like, I keep hearing weird noise, and I don't know what it is. And my wife never calls me unless it's something important. Urgent. And then yeah. she called me and said, it sounds like we have a door that in our kitchen that goes down to our basement. And she said, yeah, there's, you know, I hear banging at the cellar door. And I said, well, don't open it. Um, and then she said, I'm leaving. I don't know. She, so she, uh, she left. And so I came home and, um, you know, walked around the outside of the house looking for something and then, uh, went in the house and didn't see anything and went down in the basement and looked around and behind a couch is a cardboard box and it had literally a nest of cardboard on top of it. And I'm like, what the hell? And so then I started to look around and I opened up the bulkhead door of the house and uh, because uh, someone smarter than me once said if you have an animal in your house give them a room give them somewhere to get out because they want to get out so I opened yeah. up the bulkhead door so and then I moved the couch and the squirrel came running out from under the couch and wow. went out the stairs after yeah. I chased it around a little bit and yeah. come to find out what happened was it 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 went down the chimney for the furnace and somehow kicked the clean-out door open at the bottom. And the clean-out door was open, and that's how it ended up getting into the house. So 
consequently, I put a cap on the chimney so that wouldn't happen again. Oh yeah, yeah. Curtis. Yeah, yeah. but I, I have seen I have seen cottages on Cape Cod where my cottage is that squirrels have gotten into the house and literally eaten their way back out. You know, you know, chewing on window sills and window panes, and you know, causing all kinds of damage. There was a raccoon that got in the house. You have to be real careful. So, um, I'm not. I'm not a huge. I'll, I'll let you know. I'm not a huge fan of the sticky traps. I prefer the regular. You know, if you got to kill them, kill them fast. But that's yeah, just me. Those those uh, tomcat ones. They're plastic. Yeah. And you know, mice don't have no bones. So you bait it just a little bit of peanut butter. They smell the food, and I put baby powder down if I see any tracks. Oh yeah. I know they're around. Yep. Yeah. Well, so it's that's well, that's well, that's the same. That's the same trick you use for uh, if you have an oil leak in your car, um, and you can't figure out where it's coming from. Clean it all Baby up, dry. get it nice and clean. Sprinkle some baby powder all over the engine, and then if you have, then then look at it a day or you know a little while later, and you'll see the tracks from the oil leak down the baby powder, and you can trace it right back where the oil leak came from. Where it's yeah, where the leak is coming from. Yep. Sure, same yeah, idea. That's an that's an awful that's an awesome way to do do it. Yep. Yeah, to check it out. Well, that's the, that's the, that's the old the that's the old fashioned way. Yeah, I, I learned that when I was watching Topo Gigio on the Ed Sullivan show. <laughs> yeah, I open up the like I said, I open up the sh- the shed doors. I got two doors. Yeah. And lo and behold, he's sitting in the driver's seat, like ready to take out and cut my lawn for me. There you yeah. go. Well, if you I get, said, if you, care, I says I'll take care of you. Yeah. Well, either that, or if you get it, if you can get that mouse to do some work, then just feed it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just feed. Yeah, you'll never get rid of them. That's yeah. right. But another thing they do too, the dryer. I clean it once a oh, week. Oh yeah. Outside, you know that lint that you normally you catch yep. it inside your yep. dryer, the screen. Yep. yep. It goes out there. They get it and they start. They use it as insulation. Right. Oh it's yeah, unbelievable! Yeah. I took down I took down shelves of my uh, shed, and uh, lo and behold, they were making a nest in there. I had a mice condo in there. Yeah, they yeah. They, they work pretty fast. They do, and yep. the tractor. I opened it up, and they, they were building a nest in there. Could have got to my wires. Yeah, no, that's what you have, and that's what I've talked to people who literally had thousands of dollars worth of damage from from mice chewing through, you know, anti lock brake harnesses and full wiring harnesses on cars. And you know, fortunately, if you do have insurance, it's covered by your insurance after you pay a deductible. But um, it can turn into a big, expensive repair. Oh, sure, it can. Yep. Yeah, and if you have any problems, you just call an exterminator and let them uh, let them come in and do their let, thing. Let you know? them do the yeah. job. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, hey John, any uh, any tickets to the uh, Boston Auto Show? I meant to ask you if I get trivia this weekend. Or- uh, I'll tell you what, Brian. We'll put you back yeah. on hold. We'll 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 set us we'll set aside a set just for you. Okay. Oh, I appreciate. All that, right. John. Very nice. All right. Thank you very much. All right. John. Good enough. Thanks, Brian. Uh, let's go over to uh, Ben and Lawrence. Before we go there, say your email address again for some people that want. J Paul J P A U L at A A A northeast.com I wonder if you set up an email address for me once at a Gmail yeah, address. I can't yeah, I can't remember what it is either. But uh, while you're taking care of Brian, let's take care of Ben. Ben, uh, is that you? Yes, me, John. Hey, Ben, how are you? Good. John, do you ever feel like it's the end of the world? I don't know. What are you trying to tell me? I'm sorry, Mr. Trump. What was that? Mm- President Trump is the end of the world. Oh, yeah, I, you, oh, know, okay, you know. Okay, no, let me explain my problem. I have an airbag light that stays on, right? Yep. Now, can you tell me why they want $100 to check what sensor it is? Um, because they want to get one hour's worth of labor to do it. Now, okay. you can, you might be able to find, you know, an auto parts store or something that will tell you 
um, you know, what the code is, and the code will give you some direction about what could possibly be wrong. Um, okay. But yeah, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna want they're gonna want an hour's worth of diagnostic time to figure out to figure out what's figure out what's wrong. So, hundred dollars an hour. Um, they probably depends where you go. A hundred, uh, you know, you you know, li- typical labor rate these days is anywhere from, uh, you know, the low end maybe seventy five or eighty to one hundred and fifty at a dealership. No, no, this is VIP. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Okay, but, I, I don't want to do. All I want to do is disconnect it. Well, uh, you can't, okay. you can't just disconnect it. I tried putting all the fuses; it didn't help. No, no, that won't work because so you're. The airbag, the airbag runs on its own system, so you okay. can't. Yeah, you can't. You can. So, you know, you what do you recommend? Buy a new airbag. And even what hap- even what happens is, if you went under the dash and disconnected every wire that went to the airbag, the airbag right. light would still be on. It'd still be on. Okay. It'd still be on. So, okay. so what hap- What happens is, if you, um, you know, what kind of car is this, Ben? It's a two thousand four on power. It's not a new car. Yeah, yeah. So. So even though the light's on, you don't you don't need to worry about it for inspection. Oh, no, the manual says the back could go off if the light is on. Nah, well, that's not really right. true. Well, it might be true, but it's probably not true. Normally, normally what happens? Okay. Normally, what happens is when the airbag light is on. Go ahead. It's it disables the system. Right. So it won't go off. You know, you could go run go into a tree and it won't go off. Maybe. Okay, but the, the manual says it will. Uh, the, you know, every car I've ever looked at when the air, well, they 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 have to say that because you know there's, there's but what I'm happens if for I'm an airbag okay. for an airbag to go off for an airbag to deploy, it okay. needs to look at impact, angle, and speed. So that's why okay. when you you know if you bump into even if you bumped into it hard, uh, a telephone pole at five miles an hour, the airbag's not going to go off because you're going too okay. slow. If you okay. sideswipe something. If you're driving down the highway and you hit a Jersey barrier at 70 miles an hour, right. it's not it's not an impact. It's a, it, it does a lot of damage, but it's not going to set an airbag off. So it needs it needs three different criteria for for it to work. Generally speaking, Go when ahead. the airbag light is on, the system's not going to work. It shuts off one of those various sensors, and there's there's at least four. Okay. Um, but the good news is. In Massachusetts, even though they check to see if airbags work, your car's old enough where it's exempt from that rule. So right. when you go to get an inspection sticker, and if the guy says, "Oh, I can't," yeah, he says, "Don't worry about it." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, All that's right. right. But right. but if your car if your car was a 2010, you wouldn't get a sticker. But if it's okay. since it's more than 10 years old, the Commonwealth said. Hey, if the airbag light's on, it's old. We don't want to. We don't want to have people have to spend what could be, you know, a couple thousand dollars maybe to fix an airbag system. So, right. Yeah. John, I thank you for putting me at ease. All right. There you go, Ben. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah. Take care now. Bye bye. I'm tired. It's been a busy day. It's been a busy day. Hey, look, it's Paul Sullivan sitting right over there. Sully. Hi guys, morning. Hey, hey I understand. Morning. I understand it's your, your father's ninety fourth birthday. Ninety four, born in nineteen on January twelfth, nineteen twenty five. Yes, ninety four years old. Wow. Well, happy birthday, Mister. And he Sullivan. was up and moving about this morning. You know, it's funny because we were talking. Um, he's because he's ninety four. He has a 
some problems with his fingers now and fine motor and dexterity and with his big heavy coat on in the wintertime, sometimes it's it's hard for him to put the, the seatbelt on and to, to latch it into the into the uh, catch, whatever they call Buckle? it. Buckle? Buckle, is that the that, word that, you're that, looking for? That's exactly <laughs> the word I would Yeah, it's hard for him to do that. So, you know, he gets aggravated and irritated, and, and you know, he's sitting in the front seat because he can't get in the back. So mm-hmm. um, I say, you know, Dad, don't worry about the seatbelt. If we get in a crash, the airbag's going to kill you. <laughs> Right? <laughs> that is not true. All right, okay. Because the um, the airbag is designed to protect... How can I put this? But he's kind of frail, remember. He's 94. Yeah. But how can, I, how can I put this in a delicate way? It punches air, you in the chest, right? The airbag oh. is designed no. to... <laughs> no, um, see what I know. <laughs> to protect people who are not smart enough to wear their seatbelts. Oh, it's like a safety net. It's a fail-safe. <laughs> now, they shouldn't be. They should actually be designed to work in conjunction. And they are designed to work in conjunction with the seatbelt. But because the government says you're stupid and you don't always wear your seatbelt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or uh, you're smart we, and you buckle the seatbelt behind you so you don't hear that ding, incessant ding, noise. Yeah, noise. It's still, yeah. Yeah, it's still wrong. Yeah. But anyway, the airbag's there. As, but it's really, it, the airbag is actually called a supplemental restraint system Okay. because it's designed to supplement the primary restraint which is a seatbelt. so we but, should continue our practice of helping him yeah buckle. yeah and okay. and w- my mom used to have a little bit of trouble um and you know i'd reach over and grab her seatbelt and you know click it to mm-hmm. you know and she'd be like i could do that and i'd be like um well, yeah but let me do it for you yeah but it's, it'd take you 12.6 minutes yeah yeah yes. but uh, i'll just do it for you yeah but um you know at at 94 yeah at some point, who cares? <laughs> no, exactly. But you know, yeah. he's, he, he was a police officer, so he's a rule follower. Yeah, I know. I and know, you know, I he's know. a law a law-abiding yeah. citizen, yeah. even to this very day. Yeah. And if the law says you need to buckle your yeah. seatbelt, he's going to do uh, it. I, I I make a I make a bad habit of eavesdropping on people's conversations. <laughs> is eavesdropping is that the right word? It's my yeah, hobby. Is it eaves, eaves yeah. is it actually eaves? I don't where, eavesdropping. Where did where did that come from? That I I don't know. Yeah. That's a, that's a that's a that's a that's a Seamus question. He knows that kind of Seamus, goofy stuff. Like, if Seamus doesn't know the answer, he'll make up. He'll make a it up. Nice you know, it's like one, rain yeah. of cats and dogs yeah, and all that sort exactly. of stuff. He knows all that stuff. Yeah. But anyway, and he does so, it with such authority. Yeah. That, yeah. And he, of course, he has the little bit of the uh, rogue, so it yeah, sounds more right, authentic. Right. Yeah. yeah. But but anyway, so he's eavesdropping on a conversation. He's probably and, listening. He's going to call me. Isn't it, he? Yeah. And it was uh, it was a uh, it was a uh, an adult and their mother, and their. Mom was probably in her late eighties, mm-hmm. and come to find out, the uh, the adult was a doctor. Okay, and uh, they they were going out to eat. A real doctor or a doctor like me? Uh, real doctor. Real doctor. Medical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. medical doctor. Go ahead. And um, and she said she, it was her birthday. They were going someplace to eat. Mm-hmm. And I heard the cute little conversation about, "Oh, mom, it's your birthday." Blah 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 blah. Okay. And she said, "You know, I'd really like to order a steak." This but is mom doc- or the child? This is the mom. Okay. She said, I'd really like to order a steak, but my doctor said I really shouldn't eat that much red meat. And he said, Mom, you know, I'm a doctor too, you know. And that's what caught my attention. He goes, and you're 89. Eat all the steak you want. <laughs> Who cares? You know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I know. You're trying to prevent something that might kill you 20 years down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And that was his point. And she's like, oh. So I can eat a pe- I can have a steak, and she's like, "You can have ten steaks. Who cares? Yeah. You know, you're 89." So well, my, I hope my brother's not listening, but he has my dad today because he's taking him yeah. on on a field trip. But um, he's saying, you know, you can't have that much salt. You can't have that much sugar. You can't have that much fat. You can't have that. 
I said, he's 94. <laughs> he earned it. Yeah. He made it to 94 because he didn't have too much salt, too much That's fat, right. too much sugar. That's right. You know, take him out. Give him, a, give him a piece of birthday cake and put salt on top of it. Exactly. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and laden it with ice cubes, uh, with uh, salt cubes, you know. Yeah. 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 No, it, it's, it, it's um, you know, I sort of have a little knowledge of this stuff. And I was at, I was at a conference, uh, a, a safe driving conference, but it was talking about older drivers. Right. And, yeah. and I, I was talking to a gerontologist and we were talking about, you know, driving an age sort of thing. And, and, um, and we talked about the, potential of someone getting hurt in a car as they start to age and mm-hmm. you know as they get older because um the the statistics show that when you're 80 and older your chances of being involved in a fatal collision go way up because mm-hmm. of what you mentioned the frailty yeah you're, you're just and, not but on the other hand the doctor said to me you have a better chance probably of tripping over a rug in your house yeah. and falling down a flight of stairs at 90 years old than really getting critically injured in a car crash because of your driving habits. Um, well, I mean, I know you hear stories of, of people who are out there and probably shouldn't be driving because of either their vision or their capacities in other ways. But my dad was pretty good at that and, and self-regulated it. Mm. You know, the family thought it was going to be hard to take yeah. the keys away. Yeah. And it really wasn't. At some point, he, he understood that he shouldn't be driving, and he just stopped. Yeah. And he has enough, um, you know, enough ways to get around. Yeah. So yeah. He, it was that, that's, that's, that is one, one of the things we talk about pretty regularly at AAA is, you know, when it's time to, you know, give up the keys and when, you know, it's sort of the keeping the keys and not giving them back kind of thing. Yeah. And it's a, it's a difficult thing because people plan, people plan to retire. They plan to go on vacation. No one ever plans to give up driving. Right. Yeah. And you kind of, at some point you kind of have to. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the biggest challenges. And I, I fear that I will not live long enough to see self-driving cars that I can have one that will drive for me. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about that earlier, how, you know, people might not want to really do that. But so on the no other hand, when, in the next, when, no kit cars in the next 10 years. Yeah. Self-driving, no kit cars, no self-drive, no fully self-driving cars. And I don't care what the people from, from, uh, Newtonomy and, uh, what's it? Uh, something, what's the transformer thing? What's that? Optimus. Optimus Ride have to say, um, very limited capacity. Yeah. Hey, that. Hey, did guy, you introduce Tom to everybody? No, he was over there. Yeah, Tom's just, Tom's our new sales guy. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Tom. Yeah, thanks for the donuts it? and yeah. and yeah. you. Thanks for the same. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm well fed today, hey. folks. Yeah, yeah. So, which means you'll be taking a little nap and playing more music. <laughs> exactly. So, what's coming up for the Irish Hit Parade today? Uh, well, we'll have some napping songs. Yes, uh, <laughs> I think that's true. And and the best in Irish music, as always. There you go. Ten o'clock. There you go. Very or best in Irish music. Right here with Paul Sullivan in the Irish Hit Parade. Irish music all for the rest of the day. Till next week. Make sure you wear your seatbelt. Drive safely. Be good to your car. Talk to you all next week from the Boston Auto Show. Bye-bye.